welcome to my first time. I'm Mary Jo Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Bone Smith. Coming at you. <laughs> related to me. Not related to me. So this month's topic is nursing. Nurse. Oh, that joke. Uh, and we're very excited because we have two very special guests with us. Yes, we do. One of whom is not related to me. But related to me. Brenda Smith. Brenda Smith is in the house. Uh, you can make a noise, Mom. I can make a noise. Yeah. And say you can that say my, name, my name is Maggie. actually Dickon Smith. Oh, yes. Dixon, Dixon Smith. Smith. Dixon Brenda Dixon Smith. Hyphenated? Yes. Uh, and then also with us is Sharita Black. Hi, I'm Sharita. Hi, Sharita Black. Um, so both of them are nurses, which I'm very excited about. Neither one of us are nurses. So. No, but fun fact, I have two sisters who are nurses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Both of them are L&D nurses. Do you know what that oh, means? Oh, yes, we do. Uh, then you're really I nurse. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do. <laughs> because I was one. Oh, there we go. I'm so awesome. excited. So real quick, ladies, will you introduce yourselves to our listeners before we get going so they know sort of, you know, a little bit about you? I'm going to go first. My name is Brenda Dixon-Smith, and I am a retired former Army nurse as well as Dean of Nursing at Linfield College in Portland, and I got my first nursing degree at the University of Maryland. Oh. Awesome. Sharita. I am Sharita Black, and I am, my background is ICU ER oh. nursing. I'm also an adult nurse practitioner with a focus on primary care. And I'm also, I also have my doctorate in nursing practice with a focus on quality improvement. And I got my RN at SIUE, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, go Cougars. <laughs> and I received my master's and doctorate at St. Louis University. So oh, wow. both in the Midwest. Wow. Yeah. She should meet my sister Brenda, who's yeah. like basically following the same path you are. She was once on this podcast. Oh, wow. She talked about cutting balls off of cows. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, that podcast is, I believe, first time I worked abroad. Worked abroad. So oh. for reference, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, I before we get into this, uh, uh, ladies, I wanted to ask a couple questions just for our listeners for uh, clarification. I actually just have the first question, which is, what is the difference between an RN, an LPN, a nurse's aide, and an advanced practitioner? My mom gave me these questions. So these that are good I, questions. Yeah, excellent questions. It, they're excellent questions. Actually, <laughs> I would agree because I wrote them. <laughs> so a registered nurse is what all nurses used to be. Um, a registered nurse is a licensure. It has nothing really to do with your education. It's a licensure by the state that you work for. The same thing is true with an LPN, and that's a licensure. Nurses' aides, depending on the state, may or may not be licensed, and they are as the name implies, assistance to nurses. Mm -hmm. And um, the mm -hmm. advanced practice nurse can be anybody from a midwife to a nurse practitioner, mm -hmm. as Sharita is, or I also kind of included in that like people who teach, which would be my kind of thing that uh, I taught. And um, yeah, and also clinical nurse specialists. Um, and so the with the advanced practice nursing, that is also an advanced degree. So many, many those nurses will have um, like a master's, generally a master's degree or higher. Okay. Yes. And a nurse practitioner can prescribe medication? Right, and okay. that was the next thing. So yes, they can um, um, assess and diagnose patients. And, um, and it really 
their level of independence depends on the state like Brenda was saying it really just depends on where you are practicing and so right now there are just a few states where nurses um, can practice independent without what we call um, a physician supervisor and that is basically not per se supervision but collaborating with the physicians and so Again, with advanced practice nurses, yes, they can assess, diagnose, and prescribe medication. They can have their own clinics and so on. Yeah, and Planned Parenthoods a lot of times are run by nurse practitioners. Many clinics are even um, nurse practitioners are also hospitalists, which means they go into acute care hospitals and they do rounds, you know, just like um, a physician would do or an MD would do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I also mention the different levels of education? Sure. Yeah. Hey. So most nurses in this country up until 20 years ago were educated in hospital systems. It was a three-year program. You were actually an employee of the hospital the whole time that you were a nursing student. You were supervised by both nurses and physicians. I think in the early days you were just supervised by physicians, but later on it became nurses. and those schools are almost all gone. There are less than 100 in the country now. Uh, I haven't done the statistics recently, but I'm sure that that is the case. And then the first bachelor's nursing program associated, affiliated with the college was, I believe, in Minnesota or someplace like, someplace in the Midwest, uh, early in the 1900s. And then uh, that has become the standard for the entry into nursing. Also, there is an associate degree nurse that emerged in the 1950s that was a master's degree program by Mary Matheny who felt like the country had a real need for nurses and there needed to be a faster way to do this. So she developed an associate degree program in collaboration with community colleges. And that person was to be under the supervision of the bachelor's trained nurse. Well, Uh. right now, that's not necessarily happening, although some hospitals have kind of turned things around the, that the associate degree nurse and the bachelor's nurse and the diploma trained RN from the hospitals for a long time were just, you know, a rose is a rose is a rose kind of thing. <laughs> and now hospitals are starting or have started to differentiate pay between the associate Correct. degree nurse Correct. and the bachelor's prepared nurse. And so what has happened in a state like Oregon, where I come from, is that the associate degree programs have affiliated with the four-year degree granting programs in in the state and have set out a program to make sure that that those first two years of associate degree will apply to their bachelor's degree and have made it much, much easier. And the... uh, the, and a lot of programs are online or their evening programs or whatever to make it easier for working people to do these. Yeah. And then, then you can go and get your master's degree and be an advanced practice nurse. And then a few of us have gone and gotten advanced degrees. And originally, most a lot of nurses, there were no doctorates in nursing. And so a lot of people got um, degrees like mine is in education. And a lot of people did them in, you know, like management, MBA kind of programs, that sort of thing. 
now there are doctorates in nursing. Yeah. Oh yes. By the way, both of the nurses here are also doctors. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, they both have doctorates. So they have doctors. <laughs> They're doctor Thank nurses. Um, okay. So now that we've got the boring educational <laughs> stuff out of the way, mom, why don't you tell us about your nursing story? What's your story? What's my story? Well, I I spent some time thinking about my first uh, <laughs> inclination to be a nurse, and I kind of think that it must have been related to my brother who spent almost every summer during haying season in a hospital with pneumonia. During what season? Haying. Oh, I lived haying. On a, I, oh, okay. haying. I grew up on a farm. Haying. <laughs> the classic term. Haying. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. So haying season and in the winter and woodcutting season in the hospital with pneumonia because he had some kind of lung thing that you know, just fell apart with all the particles and stuff that right. come from that. So it must have been at some point in time that I decided that being a nurse was a good thing. And so I told my family. They subsequently decided to invest in something called the Cherry Ames series of books. And so every year for Christmas, birthday, etc., I got a new Cherry Ames book. And Cherry Ames was a book like... Um, Nancy Drew and some of those kinds of things that um, they were books written for girls and they were all about nursing. Now, and how Cher old were you when you first said you wanted to be a nurse? Probably around 10. Okay, so Cherry is for kids, just to be sure. Cherry yes. Yeah, it's a young adult kind okay. of book. Got it. Did they have to solve mysteries of what was wrong? No, okay. no, no. <laughs> Mystery of the missing bedpan. So, so Cherry Ames spent two years and therefore two books in nursing school and she went to a hospital school. And then she became a military nurse because it was World War II time frame, and she was a travel nurse, and she was a ship's <laughs> nurse, and she was a flight nurse, and she went on to like 23 different careers. Wow. <laughs> She's like the Barbie of yes. nursing. So that's probably, I think I had all of them, but um, in fact, the original author died and somebody continued on. <laughs> Adventures of Cherry Ames. Anyway, I decided I wanted to be a nurse instead of a math professor. So that was my decision in high school. And I got a scholarship from the U.S. Army to attend nursing school first at the University of Missouri. And then I transferred to the University of Maryland where I graduated and spent three years in the Army as payback for them paying for all four years of my school. I was commissioned a first lieutenant in the Army. Uh, I had a 21-year career wow. and lived in places like Germany and Korea and various and places. And Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, various <laughs> places. the biggest chunk of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I only spent two, three years in Hawaii as a, as a, nurse. as an Military, army nurse. Army nurse, yeah. Anyway, I initially got that bachelor's degree, and I had so much trouble with that. I said I would never darken the door of an educational institution <laughs> again. But now I have a PhD. <laughs> I first wanted to work in peds. And tell me if I'm going too long on this, please. No. Okay. Peds. Oh. Their feet. <laughs> peds means pediatrics, or the care of children. I'm sorry. Um, no, Mom, that's everybody right. who watches we, any doctor show knows Ian just doesn't watch We them. want you to speak in medical terms. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. And, and so in my peds rotation, I had a kid with an FUO, which is a fever of unknown origin, Ooh. who I cared for all day, 
and I just tried, it was really important to put fluids into this baby and I pushed fluids as well as I could and at the end of the day I got chewed out because I didn't put enough fluids into that baby and the baby died the next day mm -hmm. and it really was a huge blow to me but the, my instructor did a really good job of trying to make me sh understand that that baby was probably gonna die anyway and that what I did or didn't do didn't make any difference. Um, How old were you when that happened? 20. So you didn't have babies of your own yet? No. Yeah, that's hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, in that first year of nursing school, had a care study patient who who I did, wasn't involved in his death, but when he finally died, he had been badly injured in Vietnam and uh, was kind of down in the dumps anyway because of his injuries, but eventually died from an accident, which I'm sure you would know that he had a cardiac tamponade mm. that killed him. And that means that what happened is his IV catheter inf infiltrated the pericardium, which is a sac around mm. the heart, it compressed the heart, it filled the heart with IV fluid, mm. or the heart, the sac with IV fluid, and it compressed it, and he died. Wow. And so that was another traumatic thing for me. But I survived nursing <laughs> school and survived obstetrics, which was really, really hard. Why? What's hard about obstetrics? So I wasn't really interested in the faculty, and I was interested in your father, who I was falling in love with, and I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a nurse again. So it was really traumatic. I failed the final exam. <laughs> I was given the opportunity to retake the final exam when I came back from Christmas vacation and I failed it again, which is kind of understandable. And then they gave me a month to study and I failed that exam too, but I was so close, <laughs> they decided to bump me up a little bit and so here I am. Oh, what, <laughs> is, what is obstetrics? Oh, I'm sorry. Obstetrics is the care of women having babies. Okay. And the aftercare. Okay. Um, so I went off on my military way to a hospital in Germany. And the first day I showed up. And one of the things that happened was we were kind of a new breed of nurses. And we were taught not to bow down at the feet of doctors and <laughs> say, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full, sir. And I showed up on the unit in my military, regular military clothes, not a nursing uniform, but my regular green military suit. And I'm just kind of sitting around waiting for my new boss to tell me what to do and, and when to come back and all that jazz. And this doctor comes in and just, you know, all blustery and who gave Mrs. So-and-so blah, 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 and why didn't you be any? And I said, you know, I'm new here. I don't know anything but if you will calm down, I'll find somebody who will take care of you. <laughs> and he did. And we became very good friends, actually. Oh, well, so good. I discovered that it was quite okay to stick up to doctors. <laughs> so hold on, were we at, was it, were we at, was this, well, this one country's always at war, but were we at war when you went we to We were Germany? not at war. Okay. We was, this was in 1970, okay. and we were not at war with, Maybe, maybe we were at war in Vietnam, but right. yes, because a lot of my classmates went to Vietnam. Uh -huh. And I would have gone to Vietnam if I hadn't been married, but I was. And so he was going to Germany, so I went to Germany uh, with him. I see. So you got to go with him to Germany. Yes. Got it. So anyway, um, I, you know, continued 
nursing and doing as good a job as I felt like I could. But since the approach of this is, was the first time, what I thought about was the first time I really, really felt like I made a difference. Mm. And by the time I left Germany after three years in Germany, I was now an obstetrics nurse. And even though I hated it in school, I loved it in real life. Mm. And I had the opportunity to take care of a woman who was having her sixth or seventh pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And she came in with a stillborn child. Mm -hmm. And stillborn means that they are already dead before, you know, before she goes into labor or right. whatever. She came in with a stillborn child and we delivered her. And while the doctor was trying to get the placenta out, and that sometimes is hard to come out when you have a stillborn, I took the baby and gave the baby to the husband and you know, wrapped baby up very carefully so you could just see kind of the face and gave it to the husband and he walked around and he rocked this baby and he rocked this baby and it was just mm. such a cool thing. And then whenever he was done with her, I gave her the baby and I left them in the, on, on the, made her comfortable, put blankets on her and all this jazz and made her as comfortable as I could on the delivery table and made the room quiet and they, we didn't try to clean it up or do anything for any time. And she was able to hold her baby and I told her that they could, they could spend as much time with the baby as they wanted mm -hmm. to do so. And when they finally said, okay, you know, you can take the baby now. Um, she said to me, you know, in all of these pregnancy losses that I have had, nobody has ever done that mm. before. And it was, it still gives me the chills right now. Yeah. It, and that it was, you know, thank you so very, very much for the opportunity to bond with our child and then to let him go. And I have no idea whatever happened and if she ever had a baby that was born live, but she just had lots and lots of pregnancy losses. And so it was just really cool to me to be able to do that. Later on, I had the opportunity to place a student with a patient who was going to have a stillborn. And, you know, people were, well, should we put a student with her? Should we not? And I asked the family if they could have, if they were okay with the student, they said, okay. I picked a student who I knew would do well in this situation. And she came to me afterward and said, that was just the greatest experience right. ever yeah. possible. Wow. So yeah. I have a question. If you were done. I think so. Okay. So, because what my, both my young, two of my younger sisters, my younger sisters are labor and delivery nurses. And um, I've, I've asked this, them the same question, which is, because they find their work very rewarding and beautiful and challenging in all sorts of ways. And there's a lot of heartbreak in obstetrics. And you just described one of them. And you have three children and you four. were, four. four children, right. And you were raising four children while you were working and, and dealing with like, the grief that comes sometimes with that job, and how was that for you? Like, did you, I mean, how do you balance that? Well, I worried through all of their pregnancies that of what possible things that they could have at every trimester right. as you come along. <laughs> and you're aware but of every possibility. Yes, of <laughs> but it, to me, that was very rewarding. It was rewarding to make death as positive experience as it is possible. Hmm. So that you know, death is gonna come. It's gonna come regardless, you know, of what you do kind of thing, death is gonna come. And certainly comes in ICU all the time. Mm -hmm. So it is, 
accepting the fact that this person is dying or died or whatever. But if you can make the experience the most positive, the most loving, wonderful, whatever. Peaceful. Peaceful that you can, then you've really done your job. Yeah. Right. Now, on a wackier note, okay. <laughs> uh, will you tell them the story about the tornadoes? Oh, yes. Tornado procedure? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. She, she mentioned this the other day, and it was the strangest thing I've ever heard anyone oh, say. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> when I was stationed at uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, it's in the middle of the tornado sure. uh, alley, and you have to be prepared for in the hospital for a tornado oh to approach the hospital. Like if you're having a baby in the middle of a tornado, I never right. thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so be so ready. The, the hospital had done something really, or people in the hospital had done something really creative. For one I thing, if, if, the, if the elevator was ava available to you, they had taken a gurney, which is a movable bed that you move patients around normally, and put these little boxes on the gurney to uh, line them up on along the gurney so that you could put two babies in each box and then you could take the babies out of the nursery and take them to wherever you were going to take them, sure. to the basement or wherever. A baby and, train. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Anyway, and if you had to walk down the stairs, some enterprising person had developed an overall apron all the, way, all the way around apron with pockets in the apron <laughs> that you could put a baby in each pocket. And so you would have four babies in the front and four babies in the back and maybe a couple on the sides. And you could, if you could waddle down the stairs, you wow. could take those babies to safety. You know what? These are the things you have to think about when yeah. you deliver babies in the, in the tornado zone. But it's like a baby shoe caddy. Like I wonder what, <laughs> yes, I wonder what they have here for earthquakes. Like, I don't know. The, but it's like those shoe position. things that are on the back of the, yes. of the door that you little pockets. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like they would just put the hospital underground. Well, <laughs> you would think so, yes. <laughs> you would think so, that. but... Yeah. Plan B, plan B. Sorry, I got you off track, Ron. Was there anything else? You that, was, that was just it for right now. All Unless right. you want to hear about all the mistakes I made, and then well, we can do that later. So yeah, we, let's give Sharita a hard to earn. All right, I mean, thank you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Thank you! Yay! <laughs> all right, Sharita. Okay, so a nursing story uh, for me, <laughs> one of my most epic stories is my first clinical. So um, just to back up a little bit, um, I ended up getting my bachelor's, then my master's, then my doctorate. So, um, so it was a university program. So my first nursing clinical was med surge one. So you nurses that are listening, you understand that. <laughs> it's like when you first, you know, you've done your theory component, your book component, even though you're still going to have some more of that, and then you go into the hospital and you're going to start doing hands-on work, okay? So, oh of God, course... That first day must be terrifying. I can't. Well, I, I'm an <laughs> eager student and, oh, excited and early and, you know, my <laughs> clinical uniform is pressed and crisp yes. and, and all of that, and um, my um, instructor, she says, okay, you're going to have this patient in this room, and we had two patients each, and so... And I, I was so excited. I ran in, and there was a team of um, like three um, physicians coming in, and then several nurses. And they said, "Oh, this is wonderful. Um, you're going to be here, so we're, we're going to. This patient has a wound, and we're going to change um, the the dressing." So I thought, oh, "Okay, 
I'm really excited to see this. Well, she says, um, she started giving me a little bit of history about the patient and she says, so we're doing MDT therapy on the patient and, you know, and so we're just getting ready to change the wound. We're just waiting for someone to come down from the lab. And I thought, oh, okay. Of course, I did not know what MDT therapy is. It's maggot debridement therapy. Yes. <laughs> okay, and so I need to say, I'm so scared of worms, snakes, ugh, and all of that, you know, it just and grosses me out. And you think if out. you go into a hospital, you won't encounter worms. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I understand that thinking. So we, we get in there, and you know, it just didn't, and this was in um, 1999, so the internet, <laughs> was not what it is today <laughs> right exactly that's interesting to say out loud like, <laughs> so um we they they come in and they're pulling the the dressing the old dressing mm -hmm. off and getting ready to put the new dressing on and it was like his um, upper shoulder area and when they brought in the new she came the nurse came the new dressing she came around and she showed me and I looked and saw these maggots moving. Wait, in the new dressing? Yes, because you know they have to put because oh, maggots turn into flies. Yes. Yeah, it goes on the wound. Oh, yes. 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 Okay. I'm in so it. and I saw them moving and even if when I talk about it, like I get all jittery and anxious. <laughs> so you might be able to hear it in my voice. <laughs> and I ran out of the room full speed. Full speed. Ran out of the room, ran down the hallway of the unit into there was a, a like a little side office where we would we would meet the students and the instructor. We would meet before clinicals, and I was just shaking like a leaf. And my instructor came. She goes, "What's wrong?" And I thought, Ugh, "I hate maggots. I hate worms. I'm." <laughs> I'm afraid. I just don't want to deal with it. And I said, can I have another patient? Actually, can I go home today? I can't be here. I can't be here. I want to be here. So she ended up letting me go home, and I was able to get myself together. But that was my first clinical experience. It was with maggots. With maggots. Can you believe it? Like, they still do that? They were probably. applying the maggots. They were administering maggots. Yes. To the, okay. Yes. Exactly. And um, so I'm sure they some places might do it. You know, it's generally at that time it was um, last resort. You know, like trying to save, you know, areas or limbs or whatever of patients. Okay. And, I don't, um, so I don't know. I, what's the science behind that? Like, what is the, what are the maggots doing? Getting rid of the dead tissue. Ah, uh, eating yeah, the. Yeah. Yeah. So so now. Um, what they do is what's called like wound back, and and I to do, to this day I hate wound care. I hate wound care. <laughs> of course, for my patient, I'll do it because that's what good nurses do, right? You take good care of your patient. But I always ask, you know, like, and generally it's um, teaching hospitals, university hospitals that will use that kind of therapy. It's not something that's done in the community hospitals and in the smaller hospitals. But um, and it was a huge. Um, teaching hospital in the Midwest that was doing this therapy and oh my goodness so it, it I'm still jittery um, wow. you know all I these years later <laughs> yeah um, and and another interesting clinical story so after I finished my um, bachelor's I began to work in the ICU and I actually worked at the VA Medical Center and so um, working at the VA was one of the most um, 
wonderful and rich experiences. Um, I know, you know, I'm sure we all hear it in the news. Um, the VA generally ha gets a bad, um, has a bad reputation, mm -hmm. but they're actually ahead of the curve on um, medications, treatments, and um, just a lot of modal modalities and therapies that they use. And, um, and, and they do really good work for the veterans. And so that's really near and dear to my heart. So, oh my goodness, it's just such a privilege to sit here with you and well done <laughs> for all of your good work. You can make noises, Mom. They can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my first patient was a patient that came in he was about, I think if I remember correctly, about 610 pounds. Ooh. Yeah. And he had a huge wound literally from like the center of his sternum around the left of his body to the center of his back. And so I go in and, and I'm the newbie, like new grad nurse in my ICU internship on the unit, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, come on over here we're gonna this is the patient you're going to have and so i said oh, okay what's going on with him so they pull his gown back oh, no. and um the first thing that you have to do my preceptor told me and the preceptor is the nurse in the unit who takes the new nurse under her wing and basically teaches her um the the functioning of the unit and um and and just different skills you know that she needs to have and so I said, what? Um, she goes, this is the patient you're going to do. And I said, oh, okay, what's going on? So she gave me a rundown, basically what we call a report of the patient. And she says, so I want you to clean up this wound. And I said, okay. She goes, start back here. Put your arm in here. Oh. And my arm went in up to my shoulder because of all of the, the fat. Yes. You know, it, it, sorry if that's not politically correct, but I don't know any other way to say it right now. <laughs> you say the fat? Is there a right. medical term? Okay. Is, right. is there a medical term for fat? Adipose tissue. Adipose tissue. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Flesh, that. skin. Right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, Petrified rage babies, whatever happens <laughs> in there. Um, and so I, and, and when you're dealing with wounds, you have to be careful with what's called tunneling. So, Oh, you can have an, an area that has a deep wound and it might not look like it's deep, but then you, you really have to clean it and, and measure the deepness of the wound and find out if there is tunneling, like that's the term that we use, right? Mm -hmm. um, tunneling because it can go really deep and that's what he had. It was just tunneled all the way deep in there. And so we use this system called a wound back, which was basically um, black sponges and we would put them like a puzzle piece into the deep wound area and and even the surface parts of the wound and then we would put um, cellophane like saran wrap over it and it had a vacuum in it so it would pull out all that excess fluid mm -hmm. from that wound to help um, dry that out and then the the sponge would basically debride which means like clean off the dead tissue, the dying tissue, the unhealthy tissue. So then the good tissue could be um, exposed um, and healing could occur. So this patient was in the ICU. Um, I think it ended up being about seven months in the intensive care unit, wow. seven months. But he ended up walking out of the hospital 
Isn't wow. that amazing? Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my From God. then I knew I was just like, I love nursing. <laughs> it is amazing. And I could hear it in your story too, isn't it? Like the world is your oyster with nursing. If you get tired of doing the bedside and the clinical care, you can be what we call a clipboard nurse. It's sometimes people say it like a derogatory term, but it really <laughs> isn't. Um, you can be in administration. You can work for corporate places. You, I've been a travel nurse. You know what I mean. So I totally relate um, with Miss Cherry Ames, the Cherry Ames series, <laughs> um, because the world truly is your oyster, and you can really have an impact on a person with just something that you think is so simple, you know what I mean? That it's not a big deal, but that small thing that you do can really impact a person's life in such a positive way. Um, in undergrad, I learned about Jean Watson and her theory was the theory of caring. And I just love that so much because um, it really is just a way to, I think a core of nursing is just showing someone that you care. Sometimes it's just rubbing their shoulder. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just taking time and listening to them. You know what I mean? And 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 I'm sure Brenda, you you are familiar with this. Even if we're in the grocery store and you just listen to someone, it seems like I can be anywhere and someone will come up and start talking <laughs> and and you know, okay. You know, I'll listen and and the nurse hat is always on. It does not <laughs> not not matter, right? And um, not that we're giving advice or anything because we protect our licenses, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, it's that caring aspect that where we always want to um, just try to meet a need for someone in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. What caused the wound? Oh, um, I forget. The exact, and I know maybe you know maybe I just put it out of my mind, but I actually um, I, I actually forget the exact. Um, it was a bacteria that he had gotten into. It was like a cut. It started out really small, oh, no. um, as a small cut, and because of the um, excess weight, and of course he had chronic um, illnesses, diabetes, and all of that. So then you don't heal mm -hmm. um, as fast or as but well. But he probably had bacteria that. growing within the folds of his skin. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so um, mm -hmm. it just spread and spread and spread. And and it was difficult to heal. It took a long time, but my goodness, we walked him out and like we're just cheering and clapping um, <laughs> for him, you know, as he went out because that was such a big deal. M most people probably would have died after something mm -hmm. like that. You yep. Know? Can I ask a superficial yeah. question? Oh, uh, Jennifer is here. She should be a silent partner, but. I'm so sorry. It's so dumb. Uh, did he end up losing weight? Yes, he did. Yes. And, and that's <laughs> just an automatic part of that because he doesn't have access to the foods and things that he was doing, eating mm -hmm. before. And so then, um, of course, he was on, um, you know, a strict diet and, and he couldn't even get up and exercise. So we really had to monitor what he was eating. We had to exercise mm -hmm. him, um, do the exercises for him, like move his legs, move his arms, and you know, because it was just difficult for him. But yes, he ended up losing um, a significant amount of weight. That's a great question, though. I was going to ask, but then I felt like, that's petty. He doesn't have to lose weight. Like, he, no, he does, <laughs> yeah, because I, for his health, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I asked that, not me. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I enjoy nursing. I always tell everyone it is the absolute best profession in the world. And, you know, let's not even talk about the schedule. 12 hours, three days a week if you're working in the acute care facility, which is like a hospital. Yeah. Not like, which is a hospital um, or a tertiary facility. Yes. Three days a week. Like, literally, (laughs) I would... I would um, make my schedule where I do three days, have seven days off and three days in the next week. So I never had to use my vacation time because, you know, I just let my days fall off like that. But you just said 12 hours, like no big deal. 12 hours on your feet is a long time. Huh? I I just don't even (laughs) think that that's, what do you think, Brenda? I don't. Well, you had a story, mom. Yeah, I had a story about my feet (laughs) (laughs) for an eight hour day. My very first all-day clinical experience, I came home with the most painful feet <laughs> that I have. I have never. I had never stood eight hours, in, or stood or walked eight hours in one place. <laughs> and I spent the entire night between my first and second days of clinical in the bathtub, soaking in hot water, <laughs> and taking whatever was available—aspirin or Tylenol or something—that was it to try to get rid of the pain in my legs. It was wow. just awful. And then I found out support hose helps say, a lot. Support hose. <laughs> and I got arch supports for my feet. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. and good shoes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Clogs. Yes, you have to have good shoes. Yes. And the support hose, um, arch supports, yes. I, I never worked without um, those things on wearing, you know, that my gear. I called it my gear. Now, you weren't of the time period, Mom, where you had to be in, like, weird mini heel nurse shoes, right? I had regular Oxford shoes. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Oxford. I mean, you know, tie-up, lace-up shoes. Okay. Right? Just, just regular shoes. So you didn't wear, because this is probably completely inappropriate in, in this day and age, but I think that the classic white nurse's uniform with the little hat <laughs> is the best thing that's ever been made yeah. anywhere. But you haven't had to work that's in right. that little <laughs> hat. <laughs> that little That hat. is true. Well, I have. We'll get to that. In a minute. But I have a story about that one too, if you want. I do. <laughs> right, but let's let's thank Sharita first. Yay! Yay! Thank you. All right. So I am not a nurse, but I have played a nurse as an actor three times. Um, in my career, I, there are two things that I go out to audition for more than anything else. Lesbians and nurses. <laughs> I have auditioned for lesbian have a nurse and lesbian nurse and lesbian nurses. Um, I go out for that more than anything else. Um, and the first and the first time I played a nurse was the first professional gig I ever got, oh. and it was a short film at um, AFI, which is the American Film Institute. And I was in the Groundling Sunday Company at the time, which is like the like the minor leagues is to the major leagues, the Sunday Company is to the main company at the Groundlings. And um, I was totally green. Like I had no um, experience performing, and my resume was like, you know, I was in two plays, and you know, you're like <laughs> stretching it out, and you're trying to think of how many skills can I list to fill out your resume. You know, yeah. Like, sign language. I don't know sign language. Um, and uh, there was this um, woman her name is Rita Vanderwall and she and I are still friends and she was um, coming up as a casting director so she was doing these short films and she used to come to the Groundlings and so I would see her and she was like I I want you to come in and read for this film and I was so excited 
and it was like truly my first professional audition bring your headshot and your resume and here are the sides which are for those of you who don't know sides are the parts of the script that you need um, for your role you don't need the whole script you just need the pages that your scene is on and um spent a couple of days memorizing there's probably like three lines but i was very <laughs> determined and um went to the audition and went to the to the american film institute which Ooh. seemed very yeah. exciting and important and then you realize it's kind of like going to vons in la they're all over the place but yeah. it just felt very important <laughs> and uh and i got the part and it was this short film called um clinic e that also starred jp manu who uh -huh. um is a, a very um He's one of those actors that he's been in everything, and, and, you, and everybody would say, I don't know who that is, and I would say, you absolutely know who J.P. Manu is. And then you would see a picture of J.P. Manu, and you go, oh, I know exactly who that is. Doesn't he's he in famously have a license plate that says, IMDb me? He might. Yeah. That could very well be. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> he does have like a, I mean, he's been in everything, and from ER to, I mean, you name it. Worked a lot. Very nice man. Um <laughs> And uh, it was about um, the premise of the film, I think, because it's a long time ago, was that um, a man tested positive for HIV. This mm -hmm. is at a time like when like everybody wanted to do a film about HIV because that was like <laughs> the thing to talk about. It was in the 90s. And um, the movie was about he gets diagnosed with HIV and he has to go and tell all of his partners that he is HIV positive so that they can go get tested. And it's a it's a, a, obviously a dark, heavy subject, and it was a very dark short film with a sort of an evilly comic twist to it, and because um, <laughs> it was just so heightened and sort of not black mirrory, but just sort of I don't know, it was just heightened, creepy. And um, I got to wear a little white dress and a little pillbox hat and um, the shoes you were talking about, like the big thick heels, the white patent leather, not patent leather, but like yeah. Um, leather lace-up shoes and white stockings and man I love that outfit I really did and to your point I didn't have to like clean anybody off or tunnel through a 600 pound man in it but I did get to wear it and um, and I got to do my first like acting role where I got to hear cut and action and all that stuff for the very first time as a professional actor and I was so excited and that and so there's something about that like getting into my wardrobe and that dress and that hat and I just felt so cool and I had no idea what I was doing but I had a blast I think we shot like you know it was like a budget of twenty dollars but just, you know <laughs> but everybody's so committed to doing it and we had a really good time and we shot actually where they ended up shooting scrubs so that there's a like an old abandoned hospital building in the valley and no that's where it is and I mean I don't know if it's still there but that's where scrubs shot as well and um so we shot there, but we had it all dressed up to be really creepy and like very American Horror Story yeah. to this. Um, what, have you seen it? No. Oh. I had a question about how clinic-y oh. clinic was spelled. Clinic, letter E. Not like clinic-y. Like no, not clinic-y, like this is cute. No, clinic-y, like you had to go to clinic-y to get tested for AIDS, that kind of thing. Um, the second time I played a nurse was also in a short film. It was called Gulp. The role of the the role that I auditioned for actually I didn't audition it was given to me I didn't have to audition for this one uh, the role was Nurse Bitchface that was the character's name actually written into the script Nurse Bitchface and um, that was directed by um, Jason Reitman who uh -huh. now is a big um, Hollywood director um, and the third time I played a nurse 
I um, and in that one I didn't pl- I didn't wear a nurse's uniform. I just wore Aww. scrubs. I know, sad. And then the third time I also wore scrubs, but that time was uh, in an episode of Frasier. Oh. And um, I played a nurse who um, I often get hired for um, the moment when I raise my eyes in annoyance at the person <laughs> I'm reading with. Just like in that moment in that script where it's like, I look at you like you're dead to me. Yeah. I get a lot of those kind of script moments. And in this one, I booked it. And I had to give Frasier that look of you're dead to me. And um, I had a really good time doing that. That's my story. Yay! Yay! Um, all right, Ian, we'll just keep plowing through. Yeah, I have a question. Can I ask my question? Yeah. Or you want to go? I can go or you can ask a question. You go. I'll say my question. I okay. just spoke a lot. Um, we're very disorganized <laughs> in this. Uh, okay, so I didn't even realize I had a, a non-nursing story. I'm also not a nurse, but I played one on TV. Yay! <laughs> Uh, I did it on an episode of Carpoolers. I think it only had half a season, <laughs> uh-huh. maybe a full season. I played a nurse in a uh, fertility clinic. Oh. Uh, and I had very few lines. I think I was like, take this to room four. If you need them, there are magazines, videos, and erotic drawings. Like, that was the <laughs> I give him the, the cup, and he erotic takes it. Erotic drawings. But it was one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of preamble stuff. So uh, it was uh, Jerry O'Connell and Fred Goss, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and Fred Goss is a big improviser guy. And so he would say stuff to me, like, well, this is a long checklist. Like, what do I, uh, male or female or thing? And I, I think I just kept saying things that made him laugh. So he was, like, impressed with me. Uh, he even said something to me at one point, like, you're really funny. You know, most people, that's what I think about improv is, like, you got to be in your 30s to be good at improv. And I was like, I'm 27 or something. Like, I was young. Uh, but I think I got him with, like, he was confused about what to mark. Do I mark? penis or male or female and I was like just check yes or something like that he liked it um so and Jerry O'Connor was lovely he was very like flirty and fun and sweet and he said one of the nicest things because he was like why aren't you you know what's, what's your boyfriend situation you got a boyfriend and I was like no he's like why not and I was like well I don't know all I ever meet are like improvisers and he's like that makes sense he's like I'm a dopey actor and I'm married, but if I, as a dopey actor, I never want to date dopey actresses. I would want to date the like hot, smart improviser girl. And I was just like, okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So so I finished it and it was being directed by Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. Mm And I tried to keep a lid on my nerdiness about that. I was like, uh-huh. oh, nice to meet you, Bruce McCullough. You know. And Fred Goss said something like, she's really funny. He's like, I know. So you just have that like, oh my God. And then they called me back at the end of the week, which also if you start at the beginning of the week and they call you at the end of the week, they have to pay you for a whole week. So also my paycheck bumped up. Uh, they pay you a weekly rate, not two day rates. Um, but they brought me back in, and I didn't know what I was brought back in for, and I was brought back in for the stinger at the end, the like joke at the end. Um, and the joke was, all the guys who are part of the carpool group come out, and they've all given samples, and then Jerry O'Connell comes out, and they go, where's your cup? And then I walk out like he'd hooked up with me. Oh. Anyway, what's horrible about this is, at a, from a feminist point of view, I am the cup. You're the cup. I'm literally, <laughs> it's like a disgusting, horrible thing to say about me. But as a girl, I was like, especially as a comedy girl where you're never going to get cast as the love interest of Jerry O'Connell, I was like, I was considered hot enough to be somebody Jerry O'Connell's character would hook up with. (laughs) You were hot enough to be Jerry O'Connell's sperm cup. Yeah. And what was funny is they were all a little embarrassed as they explained the joke to me. Like, they knew it was slightly demeaning and whatever, but I was like, yeah. 
Like, I didn't care. I thought it was adorable. Anyway. So that's my nursing story. <laughs> um, okay, so Mary Jo, what are your questions? Okay, I have one question. And and um, this may be more for you, just in terms of timeline, but I'm curious about the introduction of male nurses. And when, because I know there are a lot of male nurses today, but when did that, when did men start to sort of move into that um, field and how were they received? Well, they were definitely treated unequally mm. initially. Um, I don't remember the year that the first nurse, male, per, first man appeared in nursing. And we like to call them men in nursing, not males in men nursing. Men in nursing. Men in okay. nursing. But um, in the 60s, I would say, the army brought a lot of, or the military brought in a lot of nurses who were men, and they gave them lower ranks. They were then weren't the female nurses. There were, there oh, were in the army, right? In the army, the female nurses started at second lieutenant and moved up. Men nurses started as warrant officers, which is a a, a level between enlisted people and officers. So there's this odd category in between who tend to be technical kind of people, like people who repair radiators, I mean, radars, uh -huh. or uh, I don't know, but they're, they're just warrant officers. And so they were paid considerably less and given much less authority in the early days. My, I graduated from nursing school in 1970. There were 125 of us originally, and we had three men uh -huh. in that class. You know, as far as most of us were concerned, you know, it was perfectly okay for, for men to be in nursing. And all three of them had been corpsmen, military corpsmen, before that. Why do you suppose they were given that lower rank? Because it's just like any place where, they, where people, a group of people are discriminated against. It was- That's fascinating. There, they, because the women in nursing at that time discriminated against actually I was told at a military function by the chief of the army nurse corps back in probably in the late 70s maybe that I had literally screwed myself out of nursing because I had gotten married and had children mm -hmm. and so the expectation Okay, this is this is going to sound bad, and you can cut it out if you want to. No. But the expectation in the Army Nurse Corps at that particular time is, in order to be success, successful in the Army Nurse Corps, you had to be a lesbian, overweight, or both, or an alcoholic. No. Lesbian, overweight, or an alcoholic, or or to be successful. To be successful, that was the expectation. So you could hang out and party, and you wouldn't have sex with any of the doctors, and you were non-sexual, so no one wanted to have sex with you. Is that right. the idea? Uh, yes, yes, and a lot, and and a lot of you my... could just be in control, choose <laughs> not to have sex with the doctors, have a couple of drinks, know your limits, and go home to your husband and children. Right. No? So anyway, um, you know, I, I had four children on active duty. I was married to a military man the whole time, and um, wow. I seemed to have survived. And my pa my patients did too. So Jennifer looked it up, 
the first male nurse in 1955, Second Lieutenant Edward T. Lyon, became the first male nurse to be commissioned in the U.S. Army Nurse Corps. Wow. Um, interesting. Um, yeah, that, that history. Thanks for sharing that. Um, now, men and even, you know, men, male nurse practitioners, they get paid more. <gasps> Oh. Yes, the tables have turned. The tables have turned. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that was already, like, that was b- backwards in the mm-hmm. way that we think mm-hmm. of men and women yeah. being unequally paid. Yeah. yeah. and, and uh, So they've caught up in past years, they, as they should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. With the side eye. Mm-hmm. With the side eye. to your... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 77 so yeah. cents on the dollar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I can't speak for nursing as a whole, and maybe Jennifer can look this one up too, but in the, in the military nurse course, the, the men outrank, outweigh the num- in terms of numbers. There are more men than women in the n- Army nurse corps now. Now? Yes. Wow. So uh, how do you know this? Like, have they, is it a fact oh or they've been It's a fact. There's so <laughs> many, um, it's, it's in the literature, so many articles, um, you know, um, surveys have been done about salary, salary surveys and, and all of that. So yeah, it's very well known. Have you sensed a, like, is there, do you feel like a camaraderie with the male nurses you work with or do you feel like a sense like that they now feel like they're better than you or they're? Oh no, no, I, I don't feel that at all. You know, we talk about it and some of them are aware. Some of them say, no, that's not true. You know, um, <laughs> and I, I believe it just depends on where you're working, um, because a lot of times people don't want to talk about salary. Sure. You know, so sometimes you can't even get that information from your colleagues who are you are work who you are working closely with. But um, they're trying to. Most facilities are trying to close that um, pay gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it just it just really depends. But um, I don't feel competition um, with the um, men in nursing and generally from my my own experience I've had good working experiences with with them so and you I think you mentioned early on when you were um, introducing yourself that you have are moved into some research too did you mention research because of my my doctorate yeah your Mm -hmm. doctorate what Mm -hmm. what are you researching or what did you research in Um, improving um, cervical cancer screens in the underserved population Mm. that's um that population is near and dear to my heart Mm -hmm. you know like one of the things especially here in LA so my first job as a nurse practitioner um, I worked at a clinic downtown LA and my patient population um, was those experiencing homelessness Mm -hmm. I don't like to use the term homeless people Mm. um, because it's it's many times it's a phase and there are so many layers to it you know so um Oh, I, I had this patient, one of my first patients, his blood sugars were, you know, it doesn't, didn't even <laughs> register on the um, meter, the AccuCheck meter. And so, you know, we, you know that's really high. Yeah. And um, he would co- come in and, and I'd say, okay, we can get this under control and I want you to come frequently and let's see what we can do. Then he had two little small wounds, of course, on the, the wound again, oh, of course, and I, I don't like wounds <laughs> <laughs> on his um, on his leg. And so I said, we need to get these under control before they get bad because, you know, um, his di- he had diabetes. And so, it, you know, we all know the sequela that comes from that. Sequela is like um, consequences mm. of an illness. And so I remember 
he had missed one of his appointments and I I used to walk through Skid Row looking for my patients if wow. they missed and, sure, and that's amazing. Um but you know what? Um it's it's just what you you want your patients to do well. Yep. And, you know, and so I'm going to go and look. He was sitting, go, go and look for them. He was sitting on the curve. I will n- never, on the curve, I will never forget, eating a gallon of ice cream. Oh, no. Really? Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> why? Why? Walk with me back to the clinic. Walk with me back to the clinic. And he goes, are you mad at me? Yes, I am. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but, um. Yeah, okay, so I went on a tangent. What was your question? You oh, I was asking about your research. <laughs> and you yes, said so yeah. right, improving cervical cancer screenings in um, the underserved. Mm-hmm. And so we all know um, some people have, and basically it's the pap smear. So we want people to get their pap smear done, right? Yeah. And um, it's a very simple test. It is invasive. Who wants to go and get a pap smear? Yeah, it's not you know, fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and even me, I'm just like, wait, what? I don't want to do this. And so can we reschedule this? I don't have time today, you know, but you want to go and get it because um, it's a simple test that could, you know, potentially save your life, save your life. Just a simple test. And so I encourage everyone, you know, that are, um, you know, go get your pap smear if it applies to you. Now, with with the community that you worked with, did you have a lot of people who were mentally ill? Or Yes. So that's a, a big piece of um, people experiencing homelessness. Um, generally, there's substance abuse um, uh, issues, you know, addiction, and then um, a, a layer of mental illness. And a lot of times you will hear people in the community saying, oh, you know, they should get help or they should take their medication. A lot of those medications, because, you know, it's a chemical and and they have side effects. Mm -hmm. And some of those side effects are so severe and um, it causes them to have um, like almost like a reaction. But it might quiet the voices. It might, you know, um, help them think clearer. But then they still have to deal with those side effects. And some of those side effects, especially for men, are um, sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we know how everybody feels about that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> let some sexual dysfunction come into the picture, and, and people are like, no, I'm not taking that. So you're dealing with a lot of that. And so then people tend to, some people who are dealing with this tend to um, self-medicate using, um, you know, street drugs. Um, yeah. And it's not that they are just wanting to be difficult, wanting to be, um, you know, in the circumstances of homelessness or anything like that, but they're trying to deal with um, the mental illness. And it's, it, there are so many layers, it's so difficult to mm-hmm. really pinpoint it. And then especially the stigma that goes along with that, you know, so, those of us who are part of the larger community who might not deal with mental illness, but many of us know um, people who have it, who are, you know, it's like two degrees, three degrees, four degrees, you know, we know close people. Um, Part of our responsibility is to support them and, okay, how can I help you? And not to the point where we are in an unsafe situation, but um, maybe help them reach out to resources, other professionals who deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, I was telling my mom that uh, we went to go see a concert. We were going to go see Prince, and we had dinner oh. downtown beforehand. And I, we walked past this woman who was laying down mm-hmm. in the street, and 
I was like, oh, I think that woman fell. And another person was like, no, I, th- I think she's homeless and she's laying on the ground. I was like, but she has a watch on. And I was like, <laughs> and they were like, no, I, I think, Colleen, she's, she's homeless. It's, it's okay. And I was like, but she has a watch. And then you came up and, and he was like, Sharita will handle it. And you, and you were like, Colleen, go. And I was just like, I had, all I had to, all I could do was stand there and be concerned. I had no plans, you know? Um, and it's, it was very interesting to be around somebody who would just go like, I got it. I know exactly what to do and I'll do it. And I'm a loving, caring enough person too that I won't also go, eh, that's her life. Let's leave her. I was caring, but I had I couldn't do anything. And I, I just, it made me admire you very much. Oh, thank you. I remember That's it all That's really kind. <laughs> Mom, you. you've been writing down furiously. What are you? Well, I don't know. It's just things that come to, me, to mind in terms of, you know, uh, just stuff like the instructor who yelled at me because my shoes weren't wide enough or <laughs> whatever. But, but it was one of the things that I think is really important in terms of somebody who wants to be nursing, to be a nurse, is there are people of all kinds who can be, can be nurses and what have you. I was with a student at a clinic called, or a, an institution called the Peanut Butter Ministry in Honolulu, <laughs> which is a, a place where homeless individuals can go and get, you said, you said you don't call them homeless, you call them? People experiencing homelessness. People experiencing homelessness. And they could go and get peanut butter sandwiches, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, this That's place great. made tons and tons of peanut butter sandwiches, which is a good source of protein for yeah. somebody who doesn't have one. And anyway, the, there was a student nurse there from another institution and there was somebody with me beside my student who was very critical of this other student nurse from the other institution because she had like about five or six different earrings coming up and down her ears and she was covered with tattoos. And, um, you know, it was like, you know, she doesn't look like she belongs in nursing kind of thing. And somebody made the point that look at the people that she's serving. Mm-hmm. They have bunches of earrings and bunches of tattoos. Right. You need to fit into that population that you're in in order. Sometimes you need to be able to do that in order to give the best care <clears throat> because you establish trust. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Um, I think we could go on for a million years. So I know. I think we have a couple follow-up questions. Sharita wrote something down because I want to hear what oh. Sharita's got to say. Yeah, um, I was gonna, you know, like some of hearing some of this, it might seem sort of heavy, but you know, um, nursing really is so much fun, isn't it? You know, even mm-hmm. when you're dealing with sick people, you know, we laugh a lot in the units or wherever we're working, and just have fun, and 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 then we also take care of ourselves. But you know, we would always. For new students coming onto the unit, we'd love to play this joke, and so we would put Mountain Dew in um, in the specimen cup, and then um, like just oh here's a, here's a, a specimen oh oh I'm so thirsty oh I'm thirsty you know you drink it and you just see the students like oh my God what are you doing you know it's just it's not urine it is Mountain Dew you know Mountain Dew. Now neither uh, one of you guys have mentioned doctors. Now, I, well, my mom had a really good question. Okay, go ahead. But do you want to ask your question, or do you think? Well, is... I just—I mean, I 
my I, I, my two sisters, they too would be very cautious about speaking about against out about doctors, but they also, I mean, I, and I don't, I've never seen a nurse who doesn't work 10 times as hard as a doctor. Particularly in labor and delivery, when the nurse is with you all day, all night, and then the doctor comes in for five minutes once you're at, you know, nine centimeters. It's like, all right, it's time to go. Here's the baby. See you later. They get the big bucks. They go off to play golf, right? I mean, let's just dish about the doctors. Let's just hear. <laughs> um, yeah, they're an interesting animal. I've had the experiences to, um, you know, I'm pretty bold, and so I didn't mind questioning an order uh-huh. that um, a doctor would give me and and I, I thought, no, this doesn't seem right, you know. So I would question them. Yes, I've been yelled at, but I've also yelled back. And it's just like, respect my license, respect me. And the education that I have, I don't, I don't know everything. It's a lot that I have to learn, but I'm here. We're, we're part of a team, you know. It's So I'm an important part of this team. And so I always um, made that known. And especially in the ICU, you know, we have all the attendings coming. I would just stand up for myself in the beginning, you know, and just mm-hmm. let them. I'm gonna take a mess from you. I don't care, you know. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, especially because you spend such uh, most nurses. I know my patients. Right, you spend mm-hmm. all this time, yeah. and they and you've developed a trust with them. Absolutely, they're telling you things, sharing how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. They might not with the doctor. You have much more better intel. And and there's I respect the knowledge and the position of the doctor absolutely but again we're a team mm-hmm. and so let's work as a team yeah, yeah. and mom you had said and this just question. just aside to that just don't get sick in july why mom, what's in because july? the doctors switch <laughs> in july the doctors switch <laughs> in july so the intern class starts in uh, the 1st yeah. of July, yeah. Yeah. and the people who were interns last year move up one Shift, level, and yep. so on and so forth, and so don't get sick in July. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a doctor time. who's worth his or her salt will ask a nurse for help. Absolutely. And they are starting to teach that in medical schools. Oh. Mm-hmm. They are making doctors be a nurse or be a patient. Actually, what's of more value is for them to have to be get in a bed Put on a hospital gown that opens in the back mm-hmm. and get in the bed and and be that way. And what I had suggested to Colleen, that is another thing that we need to say, is there's a thing called doctor's orders. And everybody knows, you know, from ER or from St. Elsewhere or whatever, the doctor's <laughs> always spouting orders. Right. They are not like a military order that you have to fall down and give me 20. They are really a request for you to deliver this medication or this uh, treatment or this whatever to the patient and the nurse is actually responsible to look at that order and say this patient is allergic to penicillin mm. absolutely this patient needs less of this drug this patient can't go to PT right now we're gonna have to find an alternative that nurses can lose their licenses and be sued over the fact that they just blindly gave Mm. whatever the doctor said to do. And that's been happening since about 1965 when a group of nurses um, routinely documented, I mean, this is well, well documented, that this patient's leg was getting gangrenous, they could smell the gangrene, they, they told the doctor, they told the doctor, they told the doctor. The young man wound up, who broke his leg in a high school football game, the young man wound up 
losing his leg because the doctor didn't come and do something about it. And it was wonderfully documented. I've read the, uh, I've read the case, the, uh, the, the legal document. And, but so nurses have to go beyond. And if your doctor is not responding to it, you go to the doctor's Absolutely. senior person. I uh -huh. mean, you know, you go up, go up mm -hmm. the chain until you find somebody who will do it. Right. Yeah. All right. And that's real important at especially community hospitals when you have a patient declining late at night and you call that doctor who doesn't want to be yeah. pulled out of his bed at 3 a.m. And it's just like, no, you have to come. No, do this, do that. You have to come. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's really important. Mom, I have one last question for you. Because uh -huh. have you ever outranked the doctor? Yes, on many occasions. Because she's in, she retired a major in the Army. Oh, and yeah. so I can't tell him anything. I mean, I can't, I am not his commander. Only his commander, who happens to be my commander also, can tell him to do military things or medical things. Oh, so, in, oh, so it doesn't mean anything that you're at what rank him mm -mm. or her? No. It doesn't. I can't tell him to drop and give me 20, and I can't tell him to give that patient a C-section. But what is that? So his doctorness outranks your position? No. His doctorness, we are still the <laughs> same relationship as nurse and doctor. We are team but members. But if you were like at a function, then you outrank him. Yeah, but it's... If you were in wartime and you were both soldiers, you'd outrank him. If you were the only two left on a submarine and it was going down... <laughs> First of all, you, you shouldn't be on the submarine because you're not Navy. But putting that aside, you wouldn't be able to tell him what to do. Yes, in a like, a, well, for instance, in a in a prisoner of war camp, uh -huh. whoever is the senior person there is in charge, regardless of who they might be. So right. I would say in the sub going down, that would be whoever is the senior person, whoever that happened to be. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> This right. is great. This is great. We learned so much about nursing. Uh, any ladies, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Anything you really wanted to say? Um, anyone that is considering going into nursing, first of all, you know, don't do it for the money. Yes, we can make a great living as a nurse, um, but do it because you care mm -hmm. and want to really. Um, do the work of a nurse, you know, mm -hmm. which really does start with caring. It's the foundation of it. So, but we welcome you. But we're so proud of our profession. If you're going to be um, janky, you know, or just doing it for the wrong reasons, we don't want you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Mom, uh, what do you want to promote? You had written down, like, resources to get into nursing. Do you want to tell people to follow you on social media? Okay, so resources include... Uh, people like the American Nurses Association and the National League for Nursing. There's a whole slew of nursing journals. You can usually find a couple in your local regular, ordinary, everyday library like the American Journal of Nursing. And then organizations, if you're really interested in being a nurse who works in, with obstetrical patients or a nurse who works in the operating room or wherever, there are organizations or med surge like AMSN for mm -hmm. med surge and NACOG, which is OBGYN-oriented nurses, or AORN for operating room nurses. Um, there's a website that I found uh, yesterday called nurse.org. It's just mm -hmm. as simple as nurse.org. So it lists a huge number of organizations. 
and resources and what have you for somebody who wanted who wants That's to be awesome. in nursing. Thank you for listing all that. And mom, do you want anybody to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or no? You want to keep your privacy. I don't know. I don't I, I yeah, don't know don't that have... I'm really on Twitter or all right. Instagram. Well then find her. She's on Facebook. Yes. All right. Sharita, anything? No, I'm not <laughs> on social media. I'm busy nursing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Busy. You two are busy taking care of people. You right. don't have time to <laughs> be making people pay attention I'm to you. <laughs> um all right, Mary Jo. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. How are you? Um, yes, you can find me on social media at Twitter at Mary Jo LA, Instagram at Mary Jo underscore LA, Facebook, which in a meeting today I heard that Facebook is becoming older and more passive every day. And I mm. thought, well, me too. Uh, <laughs> Mary Jo Smith. It's a public account. Help yourself. There's no privacy left. Uh, Chick is not with us. Chick is alive, but um, yeah. in Pensacola, Florida. If so. you heard dogs mm. walking in this podcast, it's because Chick wasn't Chick here, not here to, to lock them up. Yes. I apologize. And the photos will not be taken by Chick this time. No. They will be taken by Ian Phone Smith. That is correct. Uh, Ian can be found at Ian Screams on all things. Chick can be found at T Chick Photo on all things. And yeah. you? As Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram and Colleen Smee on uh, Twitter. And, oh, and Ducks the Dog. Ducks the Dog! Jen decided to get silent and mind me all of a sudden when she's been talking this entire time. Has a, an Instagram account. Enjoy lots of close ups of her face. Uh, uh, Ducks, not Jen. Ducks, yeah, yeah, and Jen. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think that's it. That's awesome. Thanks, you guys. Yay! Thank you. Yay! This is wonderful. Yay!